0: On the show today, putting money where your gift horse's mouth is, raging through a history of violence, and having an existential crisis about reality in three, two, one. Bear, Alex. It's a bear. Yeah, it's a bear. Just it, it's a bear, and so it's just so much. So all many that white ed. powder
1: just There's, straight up the nose.
0: Like you don't. Yeah, it's not honey. It's not honey. Anyway, oh, uh, hi everybody. Uh, welcome to Total Pebble Knockdown. Um, this is not uh about a uh, a coked up bear. Uh, I am Nathan
1: and I am Alex and uh, what a weird way to begin an episode
0: there's a whole conversation that probably happened before this but let's not go into that the point is we have three really great lines of conversation that we can really snort up for everybody like a bear First up on the show, a little bit of Weekly Muse. Fun little story for everybody. A gamer declined a lifetime Xbox Game Pass due to taxes. Yeah. Yeah. You you know, I really would love to be able to get, like, a lifetime uh, Game Pass. The problem, of course, being that uh, if you told me I still actually technically had to pay for it, it really would kind of put a a little bit of a damper, a little bit of a monkey wrench on.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure you have the article up in front of you, so we can get into the details of this. But I know it. I'm guessing because I haven't read it myself that it counts as like a taxable gift.
0: Yeah. So, uh, so basically the prize wouldn't have benefited its receiver for almost 10 years because your taxable income. For the year, goes up by seventy three hundred dollars. It means that your federal tax bill goes up seventeen hundred and fifty two bucks, in addition to state income tax.
1: Yeah, if you have that, if you we, have we happen to tax. live in a state where that's not a thing, so
0: hopefully this unfortunate, uh, sadly unfortunate Reddit user. Uh, I don't know where they live, but, uh, as noted by the OP, the prize in question would not really be beneficial until almost 10 years have passed. Well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's like 10 years you'd be paying for before it actually became useful. The thing that I find really interesting is that there's probably a few people that live outside of the United States that don't understand, uh, wh- what's going on here, because... What,
1: American tax law?
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, but anyway, yes, prizes are indeed taxable income in the U.S. Welcome to our country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, we, you don't even get prizes for free, uh, which is one of the reasons why you usually hear people when they say, oh, boy, winning the lottery be, would be great. Uh, it's immediately followed by, oh, but my taxes... <laughs> It's like, yeah, yeah, your taxes would not be great I mean, for the one year. I mean, if you're on the
1: lottery, you don't have to worry about your taxes going up because you can just use the lottery winnings for that to offset it. Yes, yes. In most cases.
0: <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite comments, though, on the post was, I just wouldn't have claimed it. I think the one problem is that it's it's not real easy to hide because, like, the organization just gave it to you and it links to an account. So yeah, I don't I don't know how easy it is to say, yeah, Microsoft just slide it under the table for me.
1: (laughs) I would be like, yeah, I'd rather take the money. Thanks.
0: This is usually the reason too, while why you'll see some places that have prizes and they'll say, hey, you can get this new car or whatever, or you can take this much amount in money. And it's like, just give me the money because now I know I can pay the taxes. (laughs) It's kind of shame on Microsoft because they've got to know that there's taxable income associated with the prize, right? Yeah. So, why wouldn't you just compensate for that and right. pay, pay that hot?
1: I don't know, because they don't care. It's not their problem after they give it to you. Um, I know, for instance, uh, at work, mm-hmm. we have this thing they offer for free for all employees. It also counts as a taxable gift. They just don't tell you that. But one of the people i worked with at my last store was like uh more information please and they dug and i found out yeah this uh this free program basically amazon prime but not amazon um yeah. counts as a uh, taxable gift so i could get this service for free sign up for it
0: yeah and have
1: be. it <laughs> but uh i'd have to pay you know Taxes on it. I'm pretty sure I don't, I
0: haven't done the math, but I'm pretty sure
1: it's not worth it.
0: The for life part of the prize is limited to a maximum of 40 years. That's hence the the $7,300 cash value that you'd have to report to the IRS. Now, I'm looking at some of the comments from that original Reddit post, and uh, the people that are in other countries seem to be uh, a little bit confused. There's uh, somebody from the UK Saying uh, U.S. tax law is so weird. In the U.K., prizes aren't considered earnings, so no taxes due. And the immediate post after that is same for Australia. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so wild that they would be like, "Yay, you won this amount! Good work!" But also, "Fuck you for winning something." <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it's it's similar to the facts. Like we live in New Hampshire, and a lot of people come here to go shopping, for instance. because oh, sure. You no know, sales tax. Right. But if you go over the border into Maine, they're like, "Hey, make sure you you report anything you bought in New Hampshire to us because you gotta pay tax on that." Yeah. And it's like, who's doing that? Who who is telling the state that they came over across the border to buy things without sales tax? Here's my receipt from New Hampshire. Let me pay that tax on it. No, no one's doing that, in Maine. Shut the fuck up.
0: <laughs> I had heard that that is one of the uh, reasons too that like. Uh, you know how Oprah used to do the thing? It's like, you, you get, get a, a car, car. You get a car. That a lot of that is like promotions from the car companies, so the, the studio didn't have to actually pay for that. And those people still had to pay taxes on the car. Yes. <laughs> so, yep. so, again, it's uh, a. <laughs> it's
1: why you don't give people things that they can't
0: afford welcome to america folks
1: <laughs> but um i feel like in the instance of someone getting a car what you would do is go hey you you won this car we're gonna give you this car it's like we're gonna write up a bill of sale for a dollar right and here's a dollar
0: yeah this car is currently worth a dollar as a prize
1: i mean right. you can still get taxed on it like i know our uh, like when you register the car, it, it, the cost of that is based on the value of the car Mm -hmm. so I imagine that that's a thing but at the same time again if you're going to give someone a gift that big you should offset that be like hey you've won this gift but also we're going to offset the taxes for you we're going to cover those right like hey here's a a lifetime supply of game pass and we're going to cover the taxes so you can actually enjoy it
0: yeah that's the thing that I keep wondering about is is if they had been able to put a price tag on how much it was valued at they should be able to be they should be able to tell you how much it's actually going to be in taxes and then yeah. factor that into the price yeah. well, but I think because it's it's really promotional for them more than anything those are things that they just don't want to
1: talk about yeah well I mean a lifetime supply of game pass is literally no cost to them as a company no because it's a digital online service. Yeah, that has no physical form and takes up no space. Right. That exactly. that's like saying here is your lifetime subscription to Facebook. Exactly. Exactly. Um, as a or gift.
0: Twitter Blue. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: Twitter Blue is a gift. Oh, you get this blue check mark and it's worth this much money, but it doesn't take up anything. It's there there's no physical value to it, so
0: And at this point people would be like, No, please take it back. I don't want the I don't want yeah, the I've, I've, Mark.
1: I've heard about this.
0: <laughs> I really don't want it. So yeah, at at any rate and if they had to pay the taxes on it it would actually be cost invested in, which is the reason why they don't want to do that. Um it's probably the also also the reason why they can do promos for like a dollar for the first three months or something of Game Pass so easily, because they figure that you know, what's what's your inherent cost offering yeah. a service that is another user that they can put onto the statistics to say that mm-hmm. you know, hey, there's more people playing on Game Pass. It's like, yeah, right. it works out great for them. So anyway, yeah something uh, interesting, just for people that are not familiar with how US tax code works, I hope that y'all learned a little something and be aware of that if you end up getting a very large prize that is not specifically monetary. Uh, (laughs) You might want to be aware of that in the future. Recently, we talked about uh, D&D 3E went into a little yeah, yeah. bit of a dive about the lost D and D that no one really talks about because 3.5 came along a few years later and just kind of surpassed it as, as a much updated version yeah. um that got lots of attention um and lots of comments back and uh most which is which is great
1: we love the comments most of them were positive even <laughs>
0: Yes, actually, not a lot of negative comments, Uh, just uh, a a lot of people that were just really happy that we were talking, well, that we were talking about 3.5, we were talking about 3, but (laughs) talking about different editions that they liked and everything like that, really appreciate it. Um, And then we got some people that were looking to give us more information about 3 and some of the things that we didn't really go into detail on in that video.
1: Or that we might have gotten wrong. There were a a bunch of corrections to it, which is fine.
0: Yeah, because we're um, not experts.
1: <laughs> no. We Wait. never claim to be experts. Here disclaimer we're not experts we are not Um, i haven't played third edition or third 3.5 in probably a decade
0: right and i never well i played it the once as 3.5 but i was just interested in three and had a limited amount of information at my fingertips to dig into one of the things well there were a couple things there's prestige we'll get to that in another video uh, but, uh, one of the things that a lot of people wanted to correct me on was about barbarians. Um, and, uh, I don't exactly know what I said in the video, but I believe I said something to the effect of barbarians... I'm sure you can find the clip of it and put it yes. in the video here I'll, I'll put it in here, but this was also the edition where barbarians and sorcerers were introduced. So, they were not around before this in... in before 3-5? 30... 3, five? three. 3, 3rd oh, and third people said that that's not exactly true. Someone did try to make me feel a little bit better by saying that Barbarian as a core, as part of the core rule set, was introduced in 3E. As as part of the core rules, but the history of the barbarian goes back further than that. goes goes back to like AD and D, and I thought we'd talk a little bit about that. And also, something I wanted to dig into is the origin of the barbarian, which is about Conan, the barbarian, and the lamentations yeah. of the women and all of that good stuff. So we can talk. My into...
1: favorite thing.
0: You always need to talk about the lamentations of the women.
1: I do constantly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's great, but you have to do it in the Arnold Schwarzenegger voice, or it doesn't count. Sorry, no, can't nope. do it. Damn. Okay, so <laughs> the class was introduced in uh, 1985. Went through a number of evolutions, as you probably know. It's based on a. A, a lot of people wanted to make me very aware of this as well. Uh, Robert E. Howard's Conan the Barbarian, I guess, also uh, Kothar and Fafhrd. Fof- uh, to a lesser extent, but uh, it's pretty obvious. Great pronunciation. Sorry. Gardner Fox's Kothar, and to a lesser extent, Fritz Lieber's uh, Faf Hird. Fafhrd. F-A-F-H-R-D. That's fine. Spe- fine. You pronounce it. Anyway, no. uh, that's the Wikipedia, but I will tell you that I, I think that they are uh, stretching a little bit there, because uh, Conan is definitely the main inspiration for this, which I will get to in a bit. Um, first official Barbarian character class was introduced by Gary Gygax in Dragon uh, 63 in June 1982 as a subclass of Fighter. This was also pointed out to me by some of our commenters in the, uh, in, in the video. Uh, the Barbarian later appears in Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, Manual Unearthed Arcana in 85... And the Barbarian, along with the Cavalier, received a revision in Dragon Magazine 148, which was in 1989. Um, As the author, David Howry felt that the classes described in Unearthed Arcana was too powerful and too vaguely defined. Another version also appeared in Oriental Adventures in 85, and uh, then later in Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition... It appeared in the Complete Fighter's Handbook as a character kit, and later as a standalone class in the Complete Barbarian's Handbook, which gets you to 3rd edition, where (laughs) it is a base character class.
1: Right, they fleshed it out a lot instead of making it the fighter subclass, essentially.
0: The interesting thing that I found, as I started just looking around, tooling around, this actually goes back a little bit further, if we want to look at the origin story, to Dragon Magazine 36 in April of 1980, where Gary Gygax devoted the entirety of his Sorcerer's Scroll column to a dossier on, you guessed it, Robert E. Howard's Conan. What I thought was really interesting, though, is that Gygax, and thank you to a a 2010 article from Delta's D&D Hotspot, the hottest of spots for D&D, they gave this chart, which Gygax had listed in that article, of stat blocks for Conan. And what I think is really interesting is that when you look at it, I have not seen this before. He has different stat blocks for Conan, end fighter levels, thief levels, strength, intelligence, all of that, based on what age he is. Mm. I, I've i never seen that. I've never seen this idea of dexterity, like, going up and then hitting a peak of 20 at, at at the time that you're 25, and then decreasing down to, like, 16 when you are 70 years old.
1: So that actually was a thing that was relevant in, like, 3rd third and 3rd, third
0: 3.5. Okay.
1: Um, which is, I don't know if that's still more relevant in the later editions. I don't think so. In I don't five, remember seeing it.
0: I've never seen a thing in five where your stats go down over time.
1: So what happens is the older you get, your physical stats will decrease, but your mental stats increase a few points.
0: Okay. Okay. Um,
1: because it it plays into the fact that as you get older, generally speaking, your body starts getting weaker. Mm-hmm. But your mind becomes more sharp, essentially.
0: Okay. I, uh, I played a game once that was, uh, Cronus Before the Ashes, which was also a, uh, like, Souls-like game, and the conceit in that was that you started when you were, like, 16 years old or something, and every time you died, you gained a year, and it affected both your main stats of, like, physical and mental stats, but also what your caps were. On those stats, as you got older and older, you had lower caps for your strength and your dexterity, but you had higher uh, caps that you could have for your mental mental yeah. abilities, um, probably inspired by something like this. Yeah, uh,
1: I assume that in 5e and probably 4e, they kind of phased that out in D&D because it, they streamlined the game a lot, which isn't necessarily bad, but it was a thing. That you could do, so you could make, like, an 80-year-old fighter who was a lot smarter than he was strong at points, you know.
0: Right. Also, Also, I think that when you're looking at, like, progression in 5e, uh, they don't really have you go—even if you're playing a campaign and you go from, like, level 1 to level 20— You you probably aren't going from, like, age 20 to age 70. (laughs) I think if you've watched any of the long-term campaigns, like, from the time that they start to the time that they end, they probably only age a couple years (laughs) or a few years in total, so it wouldn't really affect it very much. Um, One of the things I think is really interesting is uh, the charisma stats. If you look at the charisma stats, um, there is a slash... So that you see like 1516 or 1518. And this is based on the charisma that Conan would have towards men or women. Okay. Because, <laughs> of course, Conan is going to be much more charismatic towards the ladies. At least between 20 and 30 and then it evens out (laughs) It it evens out again and he's just as charismatic and then he gets less charismatic later also by the time he's 40 maybe you can explain this to me by the time he's 40 his fighter level is 24 and his thief level is 12. that's 36 levels okay that's a lot of levels. Yeah, that's that's right? epic level. That's a that's a big level. That's
1: that's epic level fighter and not an epic level rogue.
0: Yeah, yeah, or thief as it would have been uh, known at the, oh, thief. At the time. Sorry. Yeah. I think it's also interesting that the idea of Conan and the the origin of the Barbarianist class is a combination of a fighter and a thief because I don't see anything rogue like in barbarians as we know them now. As a full fleshed out character.
1: Uh, light armor maybe.
0: Okay, yeah. More more about um, dexterity than... Well, no. Barbarians rely heavily on strength. I guess speed? Speed would probably be one of those things. This is something that I just think is, is kind of interesting. And probably the most interesting thing as I started looking through the origin story of the barbarian. Which is... This idea of you know these epic characters and what would happen to their stat blocks over the course of time. It's funny too that like Gary Gygax was doing this in 1980, and nowadays I'll see people that will take a popular character from multimedia and make one of those D&D 5e e stat blocks for them, um, in a very similar fashion. <laughs>
1: to yeah, this. I've seen that a bunch.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So, Old Spice did that a little while ago.
0: Oh right, right. You gotta get monocle guy. I like this idea. I don't know who I would put into a stat block like this or what I would want to do, but uh, I. I wouldn't. You wouldn't do it. No. 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 Just to nah. see how they they'd age over the course of time.
1: Oh, like the aging stat block, or yeah. just in general? I just wouldn't personally, but that's me.
0: Well, the uh, the idea of the aging stat block, though, I think is just the more interesting piece of this. like this. Specific... If you're, if you're
1: going to do somebody, I'd say do Charlie Sheen.
0: Do Charlie Sheen, and those stat blocks are going to be pretty pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, but we already know what class he is. He's a warlock with tiger blood.
0: Oh, that's right. Tiger blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Wouldn't he then have to be a sorcerer?
1: No, no, no. With he's magical blood? A...
0: Magical no, no, no. Blood. He's,
1: he's a warlock. Oh, okay. But he's got a uh, bloodline.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Warlock alright. With...
1: Oh, or he's a lycanthrope, who knows?
0: He could be a lycanthropic warlock. We're That's tiger. Insane. We're tiger. Exactly. Perfect. We somebody make a stat block for We're Tiger uh Charlie Sheen. I'm there for it. That's a character's play. Now today <laughs> Uh if we go to 5e, the barbarian is significantly different than these earlier iterations, obviously. Uh I have not played a barbarian in 5e or ever. Uh I don't remember if you have played a barbarian in 5. I think you played barbarians in earlier editions. If I remember Um, correctly. I
1: don't I don't think I played one in 5.
0: I have played with barbarians and they are a handful
1: they they can be fun they can be rowdy it depends on the type of barbarian you play i've played um in three five uh my character rexall was a barbarian who was gonna multi-class into wizard
0: oh Oh, because he
1: was smart he was smart
0: barb wizard
1: his his third stat third high stat was like a 16 intellect
0: Nice. Yeah. Nice. So I was
1: like, why not? Or it might have been 14. Sure. But like, that's that's intelligent enough to cast spells.
0: The uh, only barbarian that I've actually played with in 5e was a halfling. A little halfling barbarian that uh, liked to smash things a lot. Yeah, that,
1: that tracks.
0: Yeah. Got himself a nice little like plus two hatchet and went to town on stuff. Which, considering I was a Shadow Monk, we worked well together as as basically the front line for the party. (laughs) Yeah. Very (laughs) offense-defense. And uh, and he was very small, and I was ginormous, so that that was also fun. (laughs) In summary, you're right. We did not go into great detail uh, or explanation about the Barbarian when we did that 3.0 video. Hopefully this fleshes it out a little bit more <laughs> yeah. Explains it and uh and also uh what do people think about the uh the idea of that original article uh from uh Dragon Magazine thirty-six where uh, you know Gary Gygax actually had the stat block for Conan. Do you see that as Something that we could do in the modern era where we, we have different stats as uh, as they age. Because that might be an interesting thing to bring back that I, I have never seen in 5. I don't think they had it in 4. But then again, here's the other thing. In the older versions of D&D, the intent was that the game world is in real time, right? That I, you,
1: you, you I play, don't know.
0: At some point, maybe we'll talk more about that. There is a thing where the intention, because there were tons of people that wanted to play and schedules are always, like, all over the place, is that the game world is to be played in real-time, one-to-one analog with the world outside. That's strange to me. I don't know. But... The only reason I bring that up is if you're looking at a character from the time they're 15 to 70, does that mean I have to play this literal game for 55 years <laughs> to have my stats <laughs> increased?
1: I mean, in that case, yeah, I'd say your stats can increase if you've been playing for 55 years. But honestly, if you've been playing the same character going out on crazy adventures for 55 years, I would like to know what level you are and how you haven't died. With gusto. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> let us know how that works in the, in the comments down below uh, I know you will because we're talking about your favorite edition <laughs> I got a, a critical thinking question for you and I want to talk about it in terms of how it relates to gaming I was uh, going online, and I I looked up a whole list of critical thinking questions, and uh, some of them seemed like they might actually relate, surprisingly enough, to gaming. The one that (laughs) I picked up that I thought you might want to talk about, if you want to talk about it, or we could peace out now, I guess that's also an option, (laughs) Um, is Free Will Real or Just an Illusion? Uh, yes. Is this the real world, or is this just fantasy?
1: (laughs) We're caught in a landslide here.
0: No escape from reality, but the thing about it is, um, I'm just a poor boy from a poor family, and I don't really know the answers to this, but when we're playing a game, and we can talk about video games, we can talk about uh, tabletop, uh, there does seem to be a little bit of this give and take where it comes to the input of the players and if they actually have as much free will as they might appear or think that they have uh, in in the game world.
1: So for video games obviously the answer is going to be no you have no free will. Like you can do what you want in the game but all the things that you can do are pre-programmed in there.
0: Yes. The... So
1: it's the illusion of free will. You can do anything you want within the parameters that have been set out before you.
0: Right. The The logarithmic part behind the scenes has already predetermined what you are yeah. allowed to do in this space. <laughs>
1: right. And if it's something you, the game just says you cannot do, then you can't do it.
0: If there's no ability to crouch in the game, you cannot crouch in the game yeah that's how um
1: tabletop is a little different though yes uh because players can do things you don't anticipate right and they do often (laughs) um yes which which obviously real people and real you know players doing these characters have free will in what they do um but you as a gm can say, no, you can't do that if you want to. Most people don't take kindly to being told no. <laughs> no. Um, but the other thing with that is that even if you want, you can just make it so that the players feel like they have free will. I think this is something we've talked about on the old show before. Right. Party needs to go to this place to do this event and they decide, uh, Like I don't tell you that, hey, we're gonna go rob a train.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or go to this town, and you say, okay, cool, we're gonna go this direction, which is the opposite way the town is, you can still find a way to circle that back around, railroad-style, and make it so that it doesn't matter which direction you go, the event that I have planned, like, for you to find is still there.
0: The railroad can have a scenic route. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess that this is also a worthy question. Uh, for the person running the game is free will real or just an illusion because the players dictating what their characters are going to do may have a great effect on whether you actually have free will to run the game in the first place the players will just say well we're not playing the game anymore and then you have nobody playing the game (laughs) that kind of is the give and take, I suppose, for storytelling in general is that if you are not alone in a project, your free will is going to be somewhat limited by the other people that are part of the experience (laughs) Yeah, to some degree. If we come in with parameters of what we're supposed to do, then I would certainly hope everybody's on the same page. Uh, and in some ways the players do indeed have free will because they can choose just not to play the game at all. If it's been made very clear to them about what the game is going to be and how the game is going to function, uh, then they have the free will to opt in or not. Tell me if this seems like a really horrible idea. It is.
1: Yes, it is. You're welcome. Saved you all that time.
0: I I think we've even talked about this on the show. I think James might have brought it up at one point um, during the live. What if you just built your world, almost GTA style, right? You know, big sandbox kind of world. Mm -hmm. And you say to the players, okay, you're the adventuring party now. Have at it. And you can go anywhere in that world. And and I have Mm -hmm. literally no idea what you're going to do. And this is as close to a, a truly free will, character driven RPG as you could possibly imagine. Where you sure. just go wherever and do whatever. Sure. Right.
1: Okay. Those, uh, is there more to this, or is that
0: the uh, basis? Well, yeah. Will, we'll start there, but basically, will that work, and is that still an illusion, or is that more akin to actual free will?
1: Um, that's more akin to free will, but if you have planned out everything that happens at every location they go to, then obviously is. Not really... They can go where they want, but things are still pre-planned. Yeah. The way you get around that is by having, like, random encounters, which are random by nature, but that's not a tailored experience at that point. That is letting charts dictate what happens on the whim of the dice. problem I have with a setting in that done in that fashion, or a game done in that fashion, is that players don't know what they want to do. And that's if true. you set an entire world map at your players and say we're gonna do adventuring you're Mm -hmm. starting here where do you want to go they're gonna have no fucking clue on where they want to go or what they want to do
0: well i mean i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna head north and start walking
1: yeah because i've done games where i'm like cool you guys can do what you want what do you want to do and it comes down to a couple sessions of playing and then people are like all right there's like no storyline here i'm not invested (laughs) <laughs> right,
0: right, right, and then they need some kind of a direction in order to get going. I mean, yeah. for me, I probably would like that just because I want to be able to just mess around and do stuff.
1: Sure, but that does not really end up making a, a campaign that lasts a while.
0: Right. It would be the. It would literally be the thing of me like uh, spin me around for a while, and then whatever direction I end up with is the direction I'm headed. Right, and see what happens like maybe the better question here isn't you know is free will real or just an illusion but do we really even want free will when we get to games because it feels like if you leave things too open ended you're not even going to enjoy your experience (laughs) I'm in the middle of playing some uh, Mass Effect and I'm realizing that if they had given me no actual goals of what I'm supposed to do
1: you'd never got the story done
0: uh, no, and I, I probably wouldn't, because when you get onto the, um, the on-ground, like, the, the unexplored, uh, planets that you go to, where you're running around in the Mako and everything, mm-hmm. in, in your ship, um, once I get there, I, I feel kinda lost, like, it's just this big, barren wasteland, and I have to yeah. immediately look to the maps to figure out, like, hey, are there any icons on here for like stuff I'm supposed to do while I'm here? Yeah, stuff I'm supposed to explore because I don't want to keep running over these mountains and try to figure out how to get over this. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I have that issue with the Elite Dangerous where it's like, here's the here's the galaxy, have at it. And I'm like, thanks, cool. I like exploring a bit. That's fine, but it gets really boring when you're in empty space for three hours, just going from one system to the next system to the next system, just scanning it, like, it's it's
0: relaxing to me, but it's like, the story is 3,000 light years away. I mean, that's what No Man's Sky had a problem with when it first came out, was that it directionless, you know? Oh, that at
1: that least game. with current so. iteration of No Man's Sky, there is the fact that the story and the elements are there, and you can teleport back and forth. wherever you are if you need to but you can also say hey um I built a base out here can I relocate the mission to like nearby me right and that's like oh I like that because I'm not gonna go back there I'm gonna do stuff out here I want this to be somewhere near me again so it'll spawn it near you
0: right right
1: which is cool but elite dangerous if I'm 3000 light years away from what's happening in the the bubble of civilization, where the space has civilization in there, mm-hmm. I have to go back there. And honestly, the story that's going on, I have no idea. It doesn't present itself... It. They're trying to do better, but it doesn't present itself in a way that makes it easy for you to know what the fuck is going on. Exactly.
0: Uh, One of the best things that I've seen, especially in more like open or epic RPGs, is where they they can set you down and they can say like, yeah, no, you do whatever you want. You can go wherever you want, but we start you off with what the mission is and what the storyline is that you are going to be playing through. Like when we get into like a Skyrim, for instance, which is probably the very typical open world RPG that people think about. You don't just start with them plopping you down. You you start with the opening cinematic and the opening scenes where you uh, have to flee the dragon and you go out into the world and, and you get to uh, Riverrun. That's what happens at, at the start. From there, you can go anywhere, but you've now been introduced to the story, what's happening with your character, and you've been given missions and potential markers if you want to continue the storyline. Similar fashion, like one of my favorite games of all time, Fallout New Vegas, um, does a very minimal amount when you end up in Good Springs, but you've been introduced to the fact that you just got shot in the head, and then you got better. And now you're in Good Springs, And you might want to track down this person, mayhaps, that has yeah. shot you in the head. You have this mystery that has been presented to you, but have no obligation to interact with it if you do not want to. But right. basically have a guiding light. And the second that you get out of town, you see this spire over the horizon line that is the New Vegas Strip. And you're like, oh... Okay, and there's this old drop, you know, broken down uh, roller coaster on the other side. and You know, these are things that you might want to go look at. But you're yeah. under no obligation to go and look at them.
1: Right, do what you want. One of these days, I'm literally going to make a game and have it set on rails.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Like, it... how do we get from point A to point B? Oh, there... do you follow the train tracks.
0: Did I ever tell you about when I played Train Sim? Yes, yeah. I think
1: you did a video on it.
0: I did do a video on it and, and the great thing about it was that I spent very little time on the train Yeah, I, I clipped out uh, beyond what the train part was and I was just like going out into the fields that weren't very well rendered and everything and just just touring around Yeah, <laughs> I literally went off the rails and, and the one
1: place you should have been you went off them
0: Exactly. On the one place where I was supposed to be on the rails, and I went off of them. And I will tell you, to be completely honest with you, it was not very fun and very boring. (laughs) So I guess that kind of explains. I had free will, but I really didn't want it at that point, because it was incredibly uninteresting.
1: Yeah, it's the same as when you boundary break in a lot of games. It's like, cool, you're outside of the bounds of the game, but pretty boring out here.
0: I've achieved free will! Okay, what are you going to do now? Uh, I'm going to go back into the game world because this is boring out here (laughs) put me back in the illusion I don't want free will to be real Uh, so I guess the question that I'm going to ask uh, everybody out there is uh, do we actually want free will in our games no probably not you let us know if we're wrong I'm sure you will How much cocaine do you think the bear could do in real life? Probably all of it. Probably all of it. Yeah. Have you seen the size of a bear? It's a big bear. Now, now in the movie it was a black bear, not not a grizzly bear
1: oh next the next one's got to be a grizzly
0: next one's got to be a grizzly well see but the thing is, is that this was a real story or yeah based I know. on the true
1: based upon a true story yeah. well we gotta now just fictionalize it you get a kodiak and then you get a, a grizzly and then you get a polar bear which you can't even tell if it's a polar bear it just looks like it's covered in cocaine it's
0: just covered in cocaine exactly we call
1: it literally cocaine bear too much
0: cocaine too much cocaine, we call him Snowblind. Yeah, Snowblind Bear. Uh, that oh, you know what we do? We'll just make it Norm of the North Two. <laughs> there you go, Norm of the North Two, everybody. Uh, Electric Snortaloo. Anyway, uh, Alex, if they want to find out more about, well, not Cocaine Bear, but. Other possible thrilling uh, exploits. Where could they go on the internet? If
1: you would like to find other non-cocaine-based activities that we get up to, uh, please don't do cocaine, friends. Unless you do, and then don't tell us about it. Crack uh, whack. You can hit. You can head over to subtlepebbleknockdown.com.
0: That's right. Snort yourself up some wonderful content online. Uh, it's it's much better. It's uh, it's it's hugs, not drugs. We also don't give out hugs. Anyway, when yep. you go over there... Six
1: feet, please. <laughs>
0: yes, please. Social distance if you get. Uh, please uh, make sure to check on our Patreon banner, and you can get full video episodes before the individual videos release, and some uh, premium content, uh, by which I mean the uh, the crap that doesn't make it into the normal episode, um, which uh, in, in this one will probably be more discussion about said cocaine bear. So you might want to check that out. Uh, And uh, feel free to check us out on social media. I'm at
1: I'm at EXP Limited and our show is at Pebble Knockdown.
0: And of course as always, you can find us on every podcast known to mankind. Uh, Please uh, rate and review. It really helps us out. Thank you very much. And uh, make sure to get us in the comments, in the YouTube videos, because I think at this point most people are absorbing the show that way from what I can tell. So, uh, hey, and you know what? That's fine. People like the videos.
1: We have our full podcast episode up on there, too.
0: Uh, Let us know if you can find it. If you can, please. It's like Where's Waldo, but in the digital age.
1: Yeah, usually sitting on a USB stick in the bottom of the drawer.
0: Oh, that's the best place to put Waldo. Anyway, I need USB flash drives that just look like Waldo. Perfect. Just Make... a
1: red and white strip. People think it's uh,
0: candy cane. Mmm. Oh shoot. I think I ate one of those. I thought that they were lines of cocaine on the <laughs> <laughs>
1: Blood and Cocaine, yeah. Blood
0: and cocaine. That's what it was. Oh the movie going experience of the summer. Thank you for joining us on this uh, Bear Tastic episode. Thank you for bearing with us on this episode of uh, Total Pebble Knockdown, and we will see you on the next one, maybe. Probably. Hello, hello. Welcome to the
1: microphone zone.
0: Welcome to the Phone Zone! It's right next to the Bone Zone. It's just the next dating app that we're building. Phone Zone, Bone Zone, and probably the Tone Zone, which is actually where I put all of the samples of my uh, Bare Naked Ladies covers. Anyway, but Alex, you have to imagine that the bear does, like, way more cocaine than that.
1: No, see, you can't start with cocaine in the first ten seconds. now we're not monetized.
0: Not for. But
1: <laughs> YouTube will go, oh, flag that.
0: All right, I'll I'll, I'll ease in. I'll ease in. <laughs> if a bear shits in the woods, it it was probably a pebble. Does a pebble shit in the woods? I don't remember.
1: I don't. I don't think that exists, Nathan. Bye for now. <laughs>